and there's an active research project going on that they are monitoring uh, those insects, uh, how many there are, what they're doing. I, at the time, I didn't realize, but apparently on campus, we our bee research team is phenomenal. I, I, so what you're saying is the B team is actually an A team. The B team is an A++ <laughs> team. Hey, it's Steve. And when we think of farming in East Central Illinois, we think of mostly corn and soybeans. But our part of the state is also home to two large solar farms, which provide not only power, but loads of important research data. In this episode, we're going to learn about Solar Farm 1 and Solar Farm 2. And a quick episode note, a few minutes into recording, one of our microphones developed a technical glitch. Fortunately, it doesn't hang around very long. So I'm Mike Larson. Uh, My title is Associate Director of Utilities Production. Utilities Production is the the different utilities the campus uses, so electricity, steam, natural gas. I help with that group, um, and a piece of our piece of our portfolio is the solar farm. So the solar farm, as you can imagine, makes electricity that gets used on campus. So when we when I was walking up, we got out of our vehicles, and you said you're kind of the guy that does the tours too. So yeah, yeah, we do a bunch of tours for the faculty and staff and students of of the power plant, the chiller plants, and obviously there's a lot of interest in the solar farm, so I help with that as well. well how many tours are you given in a in a particular year or school year or whatever? I mean, because this this it's pretty fascinating. You've got acres and acres at this particular solar farm. Actually, just this morning, arranged three more tours for uh, the next couple months. So interest is 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 picking up. Are you getting requests for tours from companies, uh, universities, researchers, schools? A little bit of everything. So a little bit of everything. The Two of the tours that just came up were for a summer camp on campus for sustainability. Okay. Uh, we've had uh, the Department of Energy has come out. They've asked for a tour. The other group, there's a research group that asked for a tour this fall. Um, actually, Amron came a couple weeks ago. Uh, they're actually getting in the solar farm business, and they came, talked to to one of the the folks that run the plant, the tour, the solar farm, sorry. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they got a tour of kind of more more of the nuts and bolts of it as they're looking to do this themselves. So just, yeah, a whole host of folks that are interested. So we're at Solar Farm 1. There's a Solar Farm 2 or 2.0, but we're at number one, the, the, the first one that was built. Um, people drive by it on Windsor all the time and on First. Um, how many individual panels? Because I'm looking at panels that are probably four by six feet each, and then they're stacked like three tall. So total modules, there is almost 19,000. Uh, on solar farm one and this is capable at at its peak of generating uh between five to six megawatts of power all right we're going to get back to that because i do have a question about what that means and and i know it's powering roughly two percent of the university's needs right now but so this is this is uh solar farm one solar farm two is south of here is there a solar three, solar four, solar five in the in the works? So right now, the the only physical solar farms are in the works. So the ones that would be built here are one and two. The university is looking at what they're calling a solar farm three, but if that happens, that would be offsite and it would be a, a different arrangement. It would be more of a a financial uh, an investment in it, not necessarily to get the power directly for the campus. Okay, so since you brought that up, University of Illinois, if I remember reading correctly, 
doesn't actually own and operate the farm at this point. Do I do I have that right? So the university uh, obviously owns the property. We lease it to two different companies, and those companies own the equipment. They operate the equipment, and they sell us all the power that they generate. We have what's called a power purchase agreement, and that power purchase agreement, we agree to buy all the power generated at a fixed price for the life of the agreement. So for Solar Farm 1, that's a 10-year agreement. And then for Solar Farm 2, that's a 20-year agreement. Okay, so let's talk about the kind of power this outputs. 2% is what I thought I read, roughly 2% of the University of Illinois' energy needs. Yeah, so Solar Farm 1, as we've looked at the data, it's about 2%. Um, Solar Farm 2 is about twice as big. So with the addition of that, over the course of a year, roughly 6% between the two farms. Okay, that's great. Uh, So in terms of power output that we can understand, are, are you able to generate enough electricity here at at either or both of them to power, let's say, uh, uh, State Farm Center, you know, during three or four hours of basketball? Uh, State Farm, I would say probably yes, but I'd have to look at the data to see how much State Farm uses. I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. Roughly speaking, one megawatt is about enough power for a thousand homes. Okay. So when this is producing its peak power, so five megawatts, you know, that would potentially provide enough power for 5,000 homes. Now, again, that's to do that, though, this would have to be able to provide that five megawatts all day, which obviously it just does it when the sun rises. But in simple terms, yeah, one megawatt is roughly what 1,000 homes need to power them. Five megawatts is what it produces. Is that for solar farm one and two or one? Solar farm one and then solar farm two, again, at its peak, makes 10 megawatts. Are these hot to the touch? I mean, we're standing on the road, the access road between, you know, two sides of this field here. If I walked up, well, again, it's a cloudy day. I don't know. It's probably 80 degrees, but are those panels hot to the touch? Uh, They're not bad. I mean, obviously they're black. So anything black on a super hot day, there'd be some, uh, some heat to them, but it's not, they're not going to burn you or anything. Can't cook a steak on them or anything like that. Uh, Probably take a while to cook. All right. So the energy, you know, solar panels, they gather the energy and they, the energy goes where? This, 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 how is it converted and where is it stored? So the solar powers, uh, solar panels collect the energy. Um, it's collected in direct current. So DC, that's just the, the nature of the electricity. For us to transmit it and use it, we have to convert it from DC to AC. So all these, pa- all these panels collect and generate DC power. We have equipment that some of that equipment making the noise uh, uh, does that. So it does the conversion. And then the other thing we have to do, though, is we also have to bump up the voltage. In order to get it transmitted over a longer distance, you have to raise the voltage up. So, again, two things happen. We convert it from DC to AC power. And then we increase the voltage. And the the transformer leaving here, it's about 13,800 volts that it goes out to campus. So, again... We obviously have to distribute that a long way, and in order to do that, you need that higher voltage to, to transmit the electricity over a long distance. So it's not collected in batteries that are hauled over to the campus by students looking for part-time work? Nope, nope. we got a <laughs> underground here. We're standing on wires that coming out of that transformer. There's a big wire yeah. that goes down the road out to First Street, and it ties into our electrical infrastructure on campus. So Solar Farm 1 and Solar Farm 2... Um, 
Solar Farm 2, twice the, the output. But did I did I touch on the size, the acreage of them? Are they similar? And Solar Farm 2 just has newer technology? The acreage, they're roughly double. Now, Solar Farm 2 does have some newer technology that provides more kilowatts per acre. So one of them, you look at the panels here at Solar Farm 1, you can see they're just fixed. Uh, so they're mounted on posts. They don't move. Solar Farm 2, if you go there and watch it, they are mounted on a pole that rotates. So it gives them the ability to, to better face the sun directly as much time of the day as possible. So that's the one big thing. Because of that rotation, uh, they get more direct sunlight. They can generate more kilowatts uh, at any given moment. Okay. The other thing is the panels at Solar Farm 2 are, they call them, bifacial. So what it means is they're active not only on the front, but also the back. So as sunlight hits the ground and reflects up, the back of the solar panels can actually generate some additional power. So like in the winter with snow, yeah. that helps. Um, so those are the two big differences. We get more more kilowatts yeah. per foot, square foot at Solar Farm 2 than Solar Farm 1. So if, you, if, they, if they are bifacial and they're able to collect from the backside as well, is there any idea out there of, okay, let's put some sort of reflective material like, uh, you know, white visqueen or even uh, mirrors probably would be excessive, but on the ground to cover the whole ground so it's always reflecting? So that would be something that could be researched, not something we're looking into. The one thing the university is looking into is, and the solar farms not only are creating power, but they're also resulting in quite a bit of research. And one of the areas of research is the, the ground cover that's used and what effect, if any, does that have on the output from the solar panels? So does it grow too tall and block the panels? Is there certain types that are more reflective or less reflective? Um, so it's actually, it's, that research is just really getting started, mm -hmm. but that's one big thing. And not only is the university interested in it, but obviously the, the solar producers are very interested in that. So are there different plants they can use that would make them more effective? Yeah. I don't have a lot of data to support that either way, but that's certainly something that they're going to be researching. Um, the other, and this is related but not related, the, the ground cover, they're also researching how does that impact insects, bees, the wildlife. So there's a lot of research going on right now. There's actually little test stations here that you can see where they're, they're taking sound recordings. Uh, they're taking camera shots. They're actually collecting how many bees per square foot they estimate habitat here to determine, you know, what's the optimal ground fat ground cover for all facets, you know, not just the solar farms, but to create, they call the pollinator friendly habitat. Yeah. You know, what are the things you can do to really make these as sustainable as possible? Right. Yeah. I mean, you've got green space, literally tall grass and weeds in between each one, which need to be there for access. But yeah, you know, what's it doing to uh, the, the wildlife and, and to, uh, to the environment around it? So that's good. That's the beauty of being at a big research university like this. So that's probably why you're getting so many tours, you know, they, they want to know not just how much you're putting out in terms of power, but also the environment around it. Yep. And I, obviously being an ag community, yeah. I mean, we took agricultural fields and turned them into solar farms. Well, can you do both? So that's actually just getting started now is, okay, instead of ground cover, can we plant soybeans or something else in between the panels? Yeah. And how do we do that? What does that look like? So how, do, how does that 
How do they cohabitate? So or a hosta farm. Hostas prefer shade, so you can yeah, just go underneath all the. <laughs> you need to talk to these researchers. Give them some ideas. Oh yeah, I've got ideas. Yeah, I don't think they want my goofy ideas. <laughs> University of Illinois Solar Farm One and Hosta Plant. There you go. Okay, so let's talk about this particular Solar Farm One has been around, uh, and actually, like the first one was like built and ready to go. It's been it's been less than ten years, right? Yeah. So it was uh, put into commercial operation in December of 2015. Um, what kind of damage uh, and repairs do you have to deal with uh, at a solar farm? Uh, I mean, stuff obviously falling from the sky, but... So right now we're not responsible. The university is not responsible, so I'm not fully informed. But I'm not aware of any major damage. Uh, obviously, they've snow's been on them, ice has been on them. Uh, I'm not aware. I, there's even been some hailstorms, mm-hmm. and you can see I don't think there's been any extensive repairs. Uh, now, over time, like anything... That will certainly be the case. Yeah. There's planned maintenance for this equipment over the, the life of it. Um, but I'm not aware of it, you know, being anything anything beyond what you would normally experience with any type of... Uh, you mentioned uh, snow. What happens when snow lands on it? You get, let's say you get a good four or five incher in a typical Champaign-Urbana winter. Does it melt off pretty quickly or... It melts off pretty quickly with the, with the black panels. Okay. That helps. Uh, obviously, with the angle, that helps encourage it too. You know, after initial snow, they'll be covered, but over the course of the next, you know, couple of days, you get some sunshine, it uh, it falls off fairly quickly. So, I mean, is there any, well, you may not know, but, you know, that particular windmill right up there, is that University of Illinois, the one that people can see when they are, well, pretty much anywhere in the central part of town here? So that actually is Ameren, and actually that's a, a very, they're doing uh, research on microgrids. Okay. So... What would it look like to have a, you know, a small little community that generated all the power they needed? So they have a wind farm, they have a solar panel, and then they, my understanding, that's actually connected to a a small group of homes in town. And they're researching how do you, how do you implement a microgrid in reality? Uh, So actually, I'm hoping to get a tour of that here in the next couple of weeks because it's, it's pretty interesting what they're doing. But Ameren's they realize some of the challenges, and they're kind of doing their own research on uh, on that technology. As I stand here in the middle of Solar Farm One, I, I'm looking at like just an open space there, and I'm sure it's there for a reason. But I'm thinking, you know, you could almost put a windmill there, and yep. you know, uh, you know, have dual purpose land here uh, with a windmill, a couple windmills, and uh, and the solar farm. Yep, theoretically, sure. Yeah. That's another one of my ideas that <laughs> that may or may not fly. And right now, if somebody's listening to this at the University of Illinois, going, "No, there's no way that can work," and let me tell you why. So, uh, you know, if this if this weren't the University of Illinois and somebody just wanted to put in a you know a field of solar panels, it probably would not be getting quite the research that it's getting because it's right here at the University of Illinois. I mean, this really is, as I understand it from you, very dual purpose. Yes, absolutely, and it's. When we did, when we developed Solar Farm 2, that was really a big focus that we wanted to be sure that they understood, hey, this, we want this to be a place that we show the students, we show the faculty, we show the staff. And there's actually active research going on, several different types of research. Um, we talked a little bit before about the, the ground cover. So when they built Solar Farm 2, they had a very specific blend of flowers and clovers and all that to attract certain species of insects. Okay. Uh, and there's an active research project going on that they are monitoring uh, those insects, uh, how many there are, what they're doing. I, at the time, I didn't realize, but apparently on campus, we our bee research team is 
phenomenal. I, I, they're probably so what you're saying is the B team is actually an A team. The B team is an A++ <laughs> team. Uh, and we, I think we have some researchers you know, that don't exist anywhere else in the world. And they are, they are doing research here on that pollinator-friendly habitat, okay. part of the solar farm. They're looking at, you know, not only that, but how does this habitat help sequester carbon? So when you grow things, obviously the plants uh, take the carbon dioxide and, and turn it into oxygen. How much carbon is sequestered in the soil when they do that? They're looking at how do the birds and the four-legged creatures interact with the solar panels? Um, and then this agrivoltaics is really the next big thing is how do solar farms and agricultural farms coexist? What does that look like? How can you plant in the middle between the solar panels and, and viably grow crops? And that, that there's a lot of research getting started right there. And I would guess over the next five to 10 years, There'll be a ton of stuff happening on our campus related to all of this. And again, to me, only because of this did I learn about it. And it's, it's really, to me, it's very fascinating, the different stuff that people's looking at to try to research how do we how do we do this better. Solar Farm 1 is where we are. There's another one, Solar Farm 2, with improved technology. And uh, Mike Larson, thank you so much for uh, being on the show. Pleasure. Thanks, uh, Frank, for asking me. Well, thanks again to Mike Larson. And look, if you just found this podcast and you're listening in an app, please touch the follow or subscribe button. That way, future episodes are downloaded automatically to your smartphone or your iPad or whatever. And if your podcast app offers a way to leave a review, I'd appreciate a rating and a comment. You can reach me at steve at holstein.co. There's also a contact form on the website, along with all of the old episodes. Holstein.co is the website. I'm Steve. This was the Holstein and Company podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, and I will see you around town.